0: I have always wished that my Spanish was better. Living in Southern California and going to Mexico a lot for surfing, weekend trips, stuff like that, is just very handy. I took three years of it in high school, but I really didn't learn that much from the books. I basically only got really good at asking various types of people where the library is located, which turns out to be not a phrase you use that often when you're on vacation. Rosetta Stone is a much more organic and easy way to learn a new language because it really immerses you in that language. It's the most trusted language learning program available on desktop and also it has an app. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, and Polish. Like I said, it's fast language acquisition because it really immerses you in the language. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. They also have speech recognition features like True Accent, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also an amazing value. They offer a lifetime membership, which includes all 25 languages, which is perfect for any and all trips you might have in your future with various languages you might want to learn. Don't put off learning that new language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Otherworld listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime membership for fifty percent off. That's fifty percent off. Unlimited access to twenty-five language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your fifty percent off at RosettaStone.com/otherworld today. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. Harry sent me a razor starter kit recently to try, and I put it to use very quickly because I keep myself clean-shaven. In fact, I pretty much shave every single day because I have lots of facial hair. It grows back very quickly, and it's also really thick and it hurts a lot when I shave normally with a bad razor, at least. So I've been using Harry's razors for like a week now. They're very nice. It's a five blade razor. And I have to say, it really does effortlessly shave through my normally very annoying facial hair. It doesn't hurt one bit, no tugging, anything like that. And it stayed sharp the entire time as well. I'm very impressed so far. It also has kind of a good weight to it. It's like heavier than normal. I don't know. It's like, it's just got a good weight to it. I really like that. I didn't know I liked it before, but now I know I like it. I also really liked the shaving cream just because it smells really good. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by questionable shaving products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. Harry's has a customizable delivery option for scheduled refills as low as $2, half of what you pay from other big brands. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at com slash otherworld. That's com slash otherworld for a $3 trial set. Welcome to Otherworld. I'm your host, Jack Wagner. The story comes to me from a man named Nicholas, and it takes place where I live in California but it happened many years before I lived here. It happened while Nicholas was driving across the state from Los Angeles, headed up to San Francisco. California is an amazing place, which is part of the reason why I chose to live here. And it could be really fun to drive across because you could see so many interesting things along the way, and in this episode, Nicholas definitely sees something interesting. He sees something up in the sky while driving back home To the bay area one night and my first thought upon reading this email was where along the drive did he see something strange because like i said this is an interesting state and there are some out of the ordinary things to see that aren't necessarily paranormal one example of that is an area near edwards air force base in the desert where it's very common to see military aircrafts blasting through the sky This is also a really great spot to go camping, except for the fact that you might be woken up in the middle of the night by the terrifying sound of F-35s or other military aircrafts flying directly above you, making a lot of noise. It could be very frightening at first if you don't know what it is or that there's an Air Force base close by. This is also an area where they test a lot of experimental crafts. So that was my first thought. I wondered if this happened somewhere around there. But it turns out Nicholas was nowhere near that area. In fact, this occurred in the Central Valley, which is basically all farmland as far as the eye can see. It's the place where a lot of the John Steinbeck novels took place, and it's a pretty sleepy region. The fact that Nicholas saw anything out of the ordinary in this area surprises me. I thought this was a really interesting story. I also think that the way he's come to terms with what he saw is really interesting. I'm gonna let him take it from here. This is episode 65. The title is Lights Over Los Banos and you're listening to Otherworld. Hello? Is this Bobby? Yes, it is. At, at its core, the science, you can't argue with. I'm lame. worried about all the science. Up in the sky. It's almost frustrating that it's happening. I'm literally, I'm gonna die. His okay, limbs were just like, wrong. Just, just Everybody moves back into the light, even if it takes them a minute.
1: Um, my name is Nick. I currently live in Brooklyn, New York. At the moment, I work in uh, visual merchandising. My former career was as an audio engineer, um, which I, the way the story starts begins with that. Um, I've always been interested in the paranormal ever since I was a kid. Um, just growing up with it, there was a lot of television in the, the early 90s when I, was, when I was about 10 years old. Um, you know, the Unsolved Mysteries and the, the sightings and all of that kind of stuff, that always piqued my interest. I, I always took a healthy media dose of that, the, the films, but I never really thought much of it myself. Flash forward, I went to school to be an audio engineer. I had recently graduated and was working um, with a you know, professionally going around the country um, I was based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. That's where I grew up. And um, I was working with a well-known producer at the time, and he's kind of my mentor. And he invited me down to work in Hollywood, which I was happy to do. This was the summer of 2005. And uh, I went down there, did some work, spent maybe about six weeks there. It It was quite a significant amount of time. And um, we were wrapping everything up. And for whatever reason, I didn't leave uh, until the night. Like we started around 11 and I'd held back. I don't know why. And uh, LA traffic is, is atrocious. So I, the reason why I waited until like 7 p.m. or so was, was really strange to me. So I went through the slog of LA traffic. Took me probably several hours just to get out of the city, out of the county, in the general area, and I was coming out of the the Grapevine, uh, the the Tehan Pass there on Interstate Five, going north back to San Francisco. Um, it was pretty late at night. I'd say it was around 10 p.m. or so um, when I finally made it out of the out of the mountains there and into the Central Valley. I had pulled over to get myself a, a an energy drink to to kind of make it through because I still had several hours at least to go. And I was just looking forward to coasting through. Traffic was smooth, it was a clear night, um, it was warm. It was like the first week of August. And I was trucking along, no issues, until I noticed a big slowdown in traffic uh, right as I was coming up to an uh, overpass over the interstate. And my first reaction was like, oh, you know, it's already so late, and what is this? I don't, I didn't understand what was going on. This is where everything started getting strange. I, uh, I couldn't really see what was going on in front of me because the overpass was in the way. Uh, there was a lot of activity, um, a lot of cars pulled over. There's a car pulled over on the interstate itself. Uh, there are people out of their cars and like looking out towards something that I could not see um, in, in front of, uh, of me. So I finally start getting out under the uh, overpass, like bumper to bumper. Uh, I had turned off all my music, rolled my windows down, trying to understand what's going on. Um, so I, I clear the overpass, and up in the sky, um, barreling down on the interstate, is what I assumed at the time to be an airplane. It was uh, four very, very bright lights shining straight at, basically there was a semi-truck, maybe a few cars' lengths in in front of me, and going straight towards it, like we're we're talking like a 45-degree angle um, from from the north going south. The truck was just maybe 100, 200 feet in front of me, and this, what I assumed was a plane, was going to crash right into it and i was frozen i didn't know what to do i couldn't go anywhere Uh, i sat in my car and i watched with just barely seconds to to react as this object instead of hitting the truck like it was 10 or 15 feet from hitting the truck makes a completely like 45 degree angle to start facing upward straight up into the sky Uh, it just turned It, it, it didn't even it just almost like a, like turning a knob it, it didn't uh, there, there was no no resistance it just changed its angle and was now going straight up into the sky maintaining the same speed um, it didn't speed up or slow down it's just a nice easy movement for for it no struggle i, I at first thought it was like a, a chp a, a highway patrol california highway patrol plane like watching the traffic, you know, or then I thought maybe it's a, some crazy crop duster that is <laughs> with a suicide mission. And when I saw the size of the thing, that's when I thought it this must be a, a jumbo jet trying to make an emergency landing because this thing was huge. I mean, I couldn't, it, it was it was like the size of a semi-truck. It was, or bigger. All I could see were four incredibly bright lights And when I when I say bright, it was like staring down. um, It'd be like super, super bright LEDs. I I can't really think of a way to describe it. It was like blindingly bright and they're just pure white. Um, There is no color to them. Um, There were no other lights on the vehicle either. It was just four bright lights. Um, As it was coming at me, that's all I could really see. Um, I could tell that the object was very, very wide, like 150 to 200 feet from where the lights were from the left to the right. There were, there were four evenly spaced lights, like what you would imagine across like wings, I guess you could say. As this object turned and I was watching it go up, um, this is the closest it ever was to me. You know, I could see the outline of it, I could see uh, the hint of color. It was a grayish, I don't want to say metallic, but it was like either metal or like a ceramic kind of look to it. And it was like a lighter gray. Um, I could see there was no fuselage. Uh, I couldn't really see the back of it too well, ironically, that it was going straight up. All I can really describe it as is a boomerang. You know, I I don't know how long it went back, but it had that slight curve rather than triangular or disc-shaped. It was a... It was almost a perfect boomerang from, from what I could see as it turned. Like, later on, I could see it better uh, in the distance as I watched it, but my initial reaction as being close to it, all I could see was, was this basically one big wing. There were no windows. There was nothing written on it that I could see. There's no cockpit. There is no no tail. There are no landing lights. There are no. It was just four bright lights on a on a metal wing. <laughs> is 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 basically what it was. Uh, you know, my jaw dropped. Obviously, I, I I couldn't process what was going on. Like, um, it, this was just within seconds of seeing it, so I really didn't have time to think much of it or, or what it was. You know, um, I've never seen an airplane slamming towards the freeway before. I've heard of airplanes making emergency landings on interstates when it couldn't reach an airport. So maybe in the, in the back of my mind, I thought something like that. But then when I saw it go straight into the air, I was like, uh-oh, this is something else. When I'd tell people about it, they'd think I was nuts. Oh, I had to have been on drugs or or something like that. But I'll tell you, I was never more sober in my life. <laughs> it was it was a sobering experience. I, I was so shocked initially at... Seeing this thing, Um, assuming it was a plane of some kind making an emergency, I thought, okay, this is this is going to be a late night. I'm, what's going to happen? Am I in danger? I was pretty rational at that point and just trying to figure out what was happening. um, Trying not to crash the car too. I mean, it was like I said, bumper to bumper traffic, and it was a sudden stop. So there was a lot happening in just those first few seconds and minutes and as i watched this thing as as i saw how it moved and what it did this fear started creeping up inside of me like like i a fear that i you you only fear maybe you only have like once or twice in your life i i i had no fear at first but when i saw how it moved um it, I knew this was something that this is no nothing it was it was not a plane. It was defying gravity, it was defying aerodynamics that I knew them and understood them to be. It was um it was something that was I was just so astonished by its movements and its nonchalantness. It everything it did was so absurd, I I just couldn't I couldn't calculate it in my, my mind. Like it just didn't make any sense. And I could feel myself kind of like shutting down in a way, like, like I, I, my rational thinking. And, and, I, it just took me, it, it put me in a specific place. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Like that all I could focus on was my, my fear and getting away from it. Like I, everything else just kind of disappeared. So as I watched this craft go straight up into the air, I was I was probably directly under it at this point, and I was looking out my, my window, like I had unrolled the window, and I was sticking my head out of it, like looking up at this thing as it climbed in the air several hundred feet straight up, and then it rotated, like in one simple swoop, it, it made basically like a u-turn and righted itself so now it was going east it was just i'll call them its wings were level to the ground and it started diving down almost immediately then and all through this you know like i was kind of watching it and just again so shocked and amazed like i still thought it was a plane for some reason like i i've never seen an airplane move like this but i couldn't justify in my mind what else it could have been. Being like a UFO or something didn't enter my mind yet. I still thought that there was a rational explanation for this. This had to have been some sort of plane or something. What else could it be? You know, uh, at this point, it was again diving down towards the ground. There was a small farm or cluster of buildings that was on the east side of the freeway to my right. And there was a large group of what I assumed to be eucalyptus trees, you know, 100 feet tall or more, and a perfect line. And this craft goes straight down. Like I couldn't see it anymore. Uh, it, it was I was waiting for an explosion. That was my first reaction. I was like, this must have been a plane in a desperate emergency situation. It's going to crash. I like get pulled up to save our lives, you know, from from getting hit on the freeway. And and now it's going to crash. So I was waiting for an explosion, expected one. Like it, couldn't, it couldn't pull up from that. And then I see it come out from the other side of the eucalyptus trees, like which I guess would be a field. And it's just 10 feet or so above the ground and starts pulling up. At this point, it crosses the road that, is, uh, that goes over the freeway or the overpasses and climbs up into the sky, rotates um, in this sense, like the the wings start pointing uh, up and down, like straight up and down. Like one of its wings is pointing towards the the earth and one's pointing up towards the sky. And it makes this wide U-turn from the east side of the interstate to the west side. From there, I mean, it's still quite, you know, like a few hundred feet in the air. It starts going down again. And on my left side, on the west side of the interstate, there are rolling hills. This craft goes behind the hills, so I couldn't see it anymore. It uh, completely disappears behind the hills. And again, I, I'm rationalizing this in my mind, that I'm expecting a crash, an explosion. But instead, just like before, this craft... <laughs> It, it must have switched directions behind the hill because it comes straight up from behind the hills, like like I saw it pulling up from the freeway almost hitting us. Straight up. It's going straight up into the sky. This is when I could really see the boomerang shape. This is when it was uh, going straight up because you could see the lights along the side in a curve. I'm still moving, by the way. Like Other people have pulled over during this whole process i'm panicking and i am looking for a way out that fear set in that i described and i am just looking for that as soon as this traffic clears i am gassing it and i'm getting out of there so at this point the craft is basically behind me and i'm watching it in my rear view mirror as it comes up from behind these hills straight up writes itself and starts coming along to the northbound traffic as I saw it before, and it starts going straight down onto that traffic like I saw it initially. And I was watching this again through my, my rear view mirror, and just as before, right before it was 10 or 15 feet from hitting the traffic, it pulls straight up again and goes straight up into the sky rotates to the east goes down behind the same trees <laughs> behind behind the overpass be, behind the hills and back up like it does the exact same thing it did before now as i'm driving i'm watching this in th- my rear view mirror like i'm keeping an eye on the road so i don't hit the trucks and the cars and just w- never taking my eye off of it because you know, growing up watching, you know, X-Files and things like that, I was so afraid of, of being abducted, like, I, I don't know why, I've, that was, like, one of my greatest fears growing up, and, uh, I kept watching the clock on the car radio, you know, to make sure I'm not losing any time, like, I'm freaking out, like, the level of fear is hard to describe, and as soon as that traffic clears, I gun it, I'm going, like, over 100 miles an hour, and driving a Saturn, so it doesn't have much power, (laughs) and I'm pushing this thing to its max, and I am just watching this thing in my rearview mirror, thinking that it's going to follow me, it's going to follow me, oh no, what am I going to do? And I felt that I watched it for about 15-20 minutes until I went over the crest of a hill, and I could no longer see it. The entire time I was watching it, though, it was doing that same pattern over and over again. I I felt I must have watched it a dozen times it felt like, but it's probably more like, I don't know, six times and it never changed. It never changed its movement. It kept going around the freeway, diving down towards it again and again and again until I could no longer see it behind me. And I kept waiting for it to, like all of a sudden crest over the hill behind me and chase me down or something like that. So I didn't take any chances. I just kept driving with, and it was probably several hours later that I pulled over at a rest stop, like, a, like an actual highway, like federal rest stop. And uh, it was late at night, and there was nobody else there. And I remember getting out and calling the only people I knew who'd be awake, which was you know, my, my ex-girlfriend at the time, who didn't answer, and one of my best friends who, who actually did answer, and you know, I talked to him recently about it. He's like, and you were your voice is just like he, like you could hear the fear even then
2: so my name's Kevin, and uh, I have known Nick for most of my life. I mean, we were childhood friends, and he was the best man at my wedding. Um, he is probably the most grounded person that I know. So like for something like this uh to come from him, it was very surprising. You know, I I know him very very well, so when he called, uh I could instantly tell that something was very very wrong. I I don't remember exactly what time it was, but it was in the middle of the night because I was already asleep. I you know, picked up, and I was like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" He was I remember driving back from l a that night to the Bay Area, so I just kind of figured maybe he was like falling asleep at the wheel or something and needed somebody to talk to or whatever. but, uh, you know he he said, "Hey, man, um, I really need to talk. I think I just saw a UFO. And you know, I, I thought I was like still sleeping. <laughs> I was like, okay, wait a minute, hold on, are, are you driving right now? Or He's like, no, I, I'm pulled over, I, I just need to talk about this, and um, I just let him talk, and, and he said that, you know, he was driving, and, and these lights came from above him, and were going past him, and he Kind of pumped his brakes and, and thought maybe it was like an airplane doing an emergency landing or something. And then he said that it started essentially kind of doing stunts. I remember he described it as kind of swooping from, you know, the left side to the right side of the highway, just in its maneuvering. And, oh, I mean, the fact that it was dead silent. Like he, that was one thing that I remember him saying is that it sort of made him jump out of his skin when it crept up from behind him and over him because he didn't hear it coming at all. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he said that it even took him a minute to even realize that, that, like, whoa, this thing is like not making a sound. I remember he said that there were. Trees on one side, I think he said it was on his left side, and it dipped down past the trees for a while, and he he thought Oh my god, that maybe that was it, but then it popped back up a couple miles later or something. And it seemed to be essentially I, I from what I remember him saying, like kind of following the flow of traffic. And that's that's essentially all I can really remember him saying, like he he said, eventually it just kind of darted off. And, you know, again, like you gotta remember, this is like somebody that I would not expect this from. And I could tell just by the way his, you know, voice was like shaking that it was like kind of cracked his reality. You know, he was really, grappling with
1: it as I'm sitting there I'm watching these jackrabbits this whole time I'm at this rest stop there's all these jackrabbits like dozens of them all around Uh, and they're really big it was really strange and I didn't think much of it and then when I finally felt it was safe to leave I head home and my only memory after that this night was getting into the Bay Area, like uh, once you get up to I-5, you, it splits off to Interstate 580. That goes in through through Livermore, and uh, that's my last memory. I don't remember getting home. I don't remember going to sleep. There, there's none of that that, that I remember. I, I do remember telling, like, my father at the time, and my mother lived in New Mexico. I told her, like, a few days later, I had, I had every desire to just forget it in every way I could. Like, later that month or perhaps even September that I actually wrote it down. Uh, after someone said, you really need to write this down. I thought, I guess I, I, guess I should. And I put it to rest. Like, I, I, I looked to see if there's anything in the news. Nothing. I was just shocked. I was like, this is so insane. Like, wouldn't have someone else that saw this because there had to have been dozens and dozens if not hundreds of people there it was bumper to bumper traffic like why didn't anyone else see this and report it like I didn't see any emergency vehicles I didn't see any other flying vehicles you know no no airplanes no helicopters around I just was shocked that no one would call this in and that the news wouldn't hear about this that this isn't newsworthy but you know, as the years went by, I didn't really, you know, kind of forget about it. Every once in a while, I'd check the, uh, the internet, you know, and see. And, and I eventually was able to find other people that saw something similar, but not the same night. So I, I, apparently this happens quite frequently in this area. But uh, I took some solace in that. But anytime I'd tell the story, unless there was really, really close friends, most people dismissed it or thought there's something wrong with me and including my mentor, you know, uh, so I, I don't really work in the audio industry anymore. I kind of, when I I remember telling him and and I just remember the look in his face and it was, I saw that look often anytime I told the story. So I just kind of put it to rest and, uh, moved on with my life. And, uh, wasn't until, uh, this, Big sea change in in people's atti- attitudes towards uh, UAPs, as they're called now. That I kind of decided I should tell my story and and report it. Like I actually reported it to MUFON and other agencies. Like I, uh, I really wanted to put the data out there, and also to encourage other people to do it too. You know, and write it down. You know, as soon as it happens, because. As I sat there and recounted my story to submit it to these organizations I started to notice that there was a lot more weird stuff that happened than just seeing this this craft. I, I uh I, I didn't realize that there was like a like a physical phenomenon that happened at the same time and I I only figured this out when I started sitting down and l- literally going over satellite images of this area to try to figure
0: out where it happened. All right, we have to take a very brief break for some ads, but we'll be right back. Springtime is here. I've recently had all of my windows open, letting in the breeze, the smell of fresh flowers blooming all over my neighborhood. This is what a house should smell like. It should not smell like your cat's litter box. Thankfully, Pretty Litter makes that very easy. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odor. It's ultra absorbent, lightweight, low dust, and one six pound bag works for up to a month. It also gives me peace of mind knowing Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illness in my cat, like urinary tract infections, kidney issues, and more. This is especially useful now that my cat is hanging out constantly by our screen door, getting visitations from coyotes, raccoons, squirrels, other cats, who knows what else. So it's very helpful knowing that if he picks up anything weird from them, I'll notice right away in his litter. When I first got my cat Merlin, I tried using the cheap cat litter that comes in those huge, giant bags from the pet store. That stuff is awful. Some of it smells worse than the smells it's supposed to be covering up, it does not have to be like that. There's a better way to live. There's no reason for your house to smell like your cat's litter box. If your house smells like a cat's litter box, that's on you. That's not on your cat. Pretty Litter is amazing. You should give it a try. Go to prettylitter.com otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com otherworld to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: Hi.
0: Folks, springtime is here, and it might be time to clean out the closet and finally update your wardrobe. Quince has you covered with timeless pieces that never out of style. You'll have them in your closet forever. Quince has all the essentials for men and women, and everything is made from high-quality materials, which is very important to me. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes savings on to us. And like I mentioned... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. I recently went on a little shopping spree myself, I got a chore jacket, a Mongolian cashmere cardigan, and a quilted jacket. Basically stuff that I could just throw on top of the normal old t-shirts that I wear every day to make myself look a lot more presentable and fashionable when I need to. I also got some new sheets for our bed. They have so many to choose from. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com otherworld for free shipping on your order. And 365 day returns. That's quince, quince, dot com slash Otherworld to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Otherworld. I used to be really bad at keeping track of my finances. A very stupid part of me believed that if I just don't look at my bank accounts and my credit card statements, the money will all still be there, even if I spent it on stupid stuff that month. Well, that's not how it works. I learned the hard way, it's quite the opposite. Usually, when I finally did look, I'd notice that there was some subscription I'd been paying for that I forgot to cancel or I got overcharged for something and it's too late to fix. But now I use Rocket Money to keep track of all of that for me so I don't have to worry. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so you could grow your savings. Rocket Money finds all of your bills and subscriptions for you, lays them out, and gives you the option to cancel them automatically or it can negotiate a lower price for you. I recently tested this out on my internet bill and they were able to negotiate a lower price for me. I saved like $300 doing this. If you're like me and you get scared checking your accounts, Rocket Money might be your savior. It's nice having everything in one place and under control. I promise you're gonna be very happy once you finally do it. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com otherworld. That's rocketmoney.com slash otherworld. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like you just need to get something off your chest? Contrary to the belief of, I think, every single man in my family lineage dating back to the hunter-gatherer period, bottling things up does not work. When you push those things down, it begins to build up and negatively affects you. And of course, the stuff you bottle up always finds a way to come out eventually. Usually not in a very good way. Therapy is a place to get things off your chest— and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. There's a reason people say it's like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders afterwards. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com otherworld today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash otherworld.
1: This is when an already weird story starts getting a little weirder. Uh, because when I, my whole life that after this, you know, I was in my early 20s at the time, I just thought I saw something amazing. Um, I never strangely enough never really guessed what could be it never really i i i still to this day i don't want to speculate what it was i i just know that whatever it was it was real it was wild it was absolutely absurd and everything that happened in my life after that because of it it was not a positive experience when i have been looking back on it um these strange details popped up. Um, as I did the research, I tried to do my due diligence and reach out to the highway patrol and find records of, of someone calling it in uh, because these agencies don't keep these records for, for very long and I didn't get much traction there. I wasn't very surprised and I wasn't shocked. But then when I scoured Interstate 5, on the satellite maps and try to figure out where this happened. I kind of was shocked because in my mind, when I came down into the valley just past Bakersfield, I thought I was near Coalinga. It felt like it wasn't, I should have been that far south. But I was able to find where this happened because of the trees, because of the hills, and they are around the town of uh, Los Banos, California which is several hundred miles north of where I thought it was so after I saw the UFO I thought I was driving away from it for hours before getting to that rest stop in reality it couldn't have been more than 30 minutes which is really strange to me like I was looking at everything the slight hill that I would have crested and no longer have seen the object behind me I looked for all of that stuff. I I timed it out. I measured the distance. The distance between here and the rest stop, because I figured out the rest stop too. It would have only taken me like 30 minutes to get there. Not hours. I have I can't account for that. Like I thought hours went by and it just isn't possible for that to have happened. Like I kind of just was at the rest stop. You know, I, in my mind, my only thought in my mind was to get away because the, the, the fear I had, this, it was almost like injected in my mind that I was, that I should get out of there. I don't want to be abducted. That that was the only thing I remember, you know, when I decided it wasn't an airplane and that I knew it was nothing like I've ever seen on ever before in my life. Um, I, that. Whole gray area between there and going home was something I never really put much thought into. But as I started digging into it, I started realizing that something really weird happened. And I'm not exactly sure what that was. That whole time from after seeing this craft to being at the rest stop and seeing these jackrabbits is all just a haze that just, it's like a hole is missing. And the time is so off that something strange happened. And I'm still, the, that's part of the story, I'm, I'm still trying to, to work out. And then I started having these, these odd dreams of just seeing objects in the sky. Um, the, I'm, I'm trying to pull up, I, I've started writing them down because famously, just like the event, I just not write them down. And then I started writing them down and and I started realizing I'm having like multiple dreams a week. And this is, this is really odd. The biggest aha moment, um, I was in bed and it was early morning and I woke up. Like I just woke up and sat straight up in bed. And at the moment I woke up, (laughs) And I call it like that moment where I am awake, but I am not fully awake. I had this dream just pop into my head or it was more like I almost want to describe it like a vision because it didn't wasn't like a dream. Like I was I was awake and I had this dream of an orb, you know, like a metallic orb shooting straight out of a clear blue water. It just shot out of there. It's just that image and i thought to myself this is just so strange like i i i didn't want to go back to sleep i wanted to write this down right away but i had i, I instead of doing that all of a sudden there's almost like a words were spoken to me i i don't know why these why i would think of things like this but um so the image was a an orb a, a ufo uap an orb Flying out of still blue water at a 45-degree angle just into a blue sky. It's just an image of that. And it was daytime. There's no clouds. Um, and, and this orb is almost white. immediately, as I saw this image, a thought in my mind appeared was that UFOs represent human consciousness as it moves out of the subconscious, which kind of takes me aback cuz like wow that was it's very philosophical you know for for this waking dream this is very strange it, like just all in a second and i just laid back down and i thought about this for probably about 20 minutes until i drifted back to sleep then i woke up same exact thing happened i in between waking and asleep i just sit straight up in bed i saw what I described as a rhombus it's uh, like a diamond shaped three-dimensional <laughs> like floating thing um it's kind of like rotating in the sky It it's just sitting there it wasn't moving uh, other than like slightly rotating and I had another like epiphany of words uh and this time it was that uh the shape of these objects are determined by the type of thought in our consciousness emerging from our unconscious mind. So, I guess the way I interpret that is these objects, again, all the different shapes people see, all the different absurd events that they see them in, doesn't again it's not nuts and bolts it it dictates something deeply personal you know for that individual i i think back to just why would a this boomerang fly around and just go around the freeway over and over again this is that's ridiculous (laughs) that's just so absurd what does that mean you know and uh these dreams to me kind of connect that idea that you know don't don't think about that so much. It's like this thing obviously wanted to be seen. It didn't have any it didn't have to do that. You know, why why would whatever this was take the time out of its day to just float around on the freeway. And when I say float, I mean it was really floating. Just the absurdity of that, you know. I think these dreams helped me start realizing and interpret that in a different way from what could have been, like, maybe I maybe it was some sort of experimental aircraft is a thought that popped in my mind that night. But now I'm thinking, like, no, no, look at it through a different lens. I used to think of this all as a nuts and bolts situation, you know, like, the media I consumed, I never... I, I really hesitate to say anything about like extraterrestrials, you know, from another, from outside of this world. I prefer to use terms like non-human intelligence because I have no idea what it was that I witnessed. And to me, this dream represents what I think is closer to the phenomena, at least how I um, interpret it from my from my own um, personal experience. And also kind of as I read the subject, what I'm most interested in. And to me, the idea of, of this object or, or UAPs in general represent the idea of consciousness moving out of subconscious. It's like um, like if, if I even dissect the dream, it's almost the water represents subconsciousness. And then this object coming out of the water is all of a sudden in the conscious world. It's almost exactly what happened when I woke up. You know, like I was asleep. I wasn't in the conscious realm. And in that moment, I have this dream of this object. To me, it's almost like what it represents is what I originally thought was a nuts and bolts situation is actually more connected on a personal level to me. And when I had that dream, I, I kind of checked all of that media at the door, all of the Everything I consumed, media-wise and entertainment-wise, as a, as a younger person, believing, you know, watching Independence Day and you know watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind, et cetera, et cetera, these these Hollywood films. Forget all of that, you know, and just focus on how this experience and how the experiences of other people uh, operate on that personal level. I, I use this this word. You know very sparingly because it's also kind of has some negative connotations especially in the past but like i look at it now through the lens of of almost a like a religious event like say in the past where someone saw an angel or something like that had a vision they attributed to a deity but in our modern time we attribute it to technology you know it has to reflect like our culture. So now I'm not saying that I had a religious experience, but it's more like that in in the way it felt, in in the the awe-inspiring, the terror, the the confusion, the phenomena of it. It was more like that than be than Will Smith chasing you, you know <laughs> chasing an alien down and beating him up. You know that's not real. You know what I experienced, it was real to me, it's, it's real, you know, I saw what I saw, and it was more like that. I know that there's other people out there that must have felt the same way, that had had weird things happen to them, and I think it's so, so important that anyone who's had an experience, maybe whether it's, seems like nothing to them, or it's so dramatic they're afraid to even say it it's so important for these people to reach out and tell their stories because the, the more I've looked into my own experiences the more I've read about the subject the more I realize you know the the wide range of phenomena around UAPs before and after and and I think it's just so incredibly important that if anybody has a story to tell, they they need to tell it um, for their own sake and for the sake of everyone else that has experienced it too. Because it's not something that you should wait twenty years and or or be discouraged when when people say like, "Oh, you're weird. Like, uh, you must have been wrong. Like, I know what I saw," and and, and other people don't have to believe it, but. I tell my story for other people that haven't told theirs yet and they, they need to.
0: Okay, thank you so much to Nicholas and his friend Kevin for telling us this story. You know, Nicholas spent many years trying to find more information about what he saw or an account from somebody else that was there on the highway that specific night you know there were a lot of people in that traffic jam he sped away and i know that he's always wondered what happened to those people surely they saw it part of the reason i wanted to do this episode is thinking that maybe one day it might reach another person who was there that night you never know it did happen a long time ago but Who is to say? He has, however, found a couple extremely similar accounts posted from the same area around the same time on old blogs. In fact, these are so similar that when he originally sent them to me, I figured they were something that he posted. But after further inspection, I realized these were from other people. That's how similar they were. And the comment sections of these old blog posts were pretty wild. I mean, there's at least 30 different people talking about seeing something very, very similar on the highway, including truck drivers who drive that stretch of highway every single day. And, you know, lots of these people talk about it possibly being a crop duster, which is certainly possible. This is farmland, you know. Um, There's a lot of reasons why Nicholas does not think it's a crop duster. Uh, In fact, he knows it's not a crop duster. And a lot of the people in the comments say that they thought the same thing. They also thought it was a crop duster flying at night But then when it got very close, they realized it absolutely was not. It was a very, very strange craft. And part of the reason they know it wasn't is because it was making absolutely no sound at all, which is probably one of the most striking details to me. They all describe this thing flying dangerously close to cars, making maneuvers that no human aircrafts could possibly make. It's all pretty strange to read, especially since Nicholas kind of downplayed this to me, as if he never found anything that really validated his experience. To me, this is pretty validating. I mean, there's a lot of people in these comments describing something flying, stopping midair, flipping over, and then proceeding to do these 90-degree nosedives towards traffic, all in this same area, which is a pretty, pretty empty area of farmland, in the Central Valley. It's all so specific. So that brings us to the end of this episode. I want to thank Nicholas for reaching out and telling this story. And once again, thank you to his friend, Kevin, as well. This has been episode 65. The title is The Lights Over Los Banos. And you've been listening to Otherworld. Otherworld is executive produced and hosted by myself, Jack Wagner. Our theme song is by Man. The soundtrack of this episode is by Juice Jackal and North Americans. This episode was edited by myself and engineered by Theo Schaefer. Our artwork is by Cul-de-sac Studios. Production help by Nikki Kate Delgado and Haley Pearson. Please show us your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends about the show. If you want to hear bonus episodes of Otherworld and join our Discord, you can become a patron at patreon.com otherworld. Our social media is at OtherworldPod. Thank you to the team at Odyssey, J.D. Crowley, Jenna Weiss-Berman, Leah Reese-Dennis, Rob Morandi, Eric Donnelly, Matt Casey, Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. Follow and listen to Otherworld Now for free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, if you or somebody you know has experienced something paranormal, supernatural, or unexplained, you could send us your story at stories@otherworldpod.com.